Boom, and welcome back to another episode of Seminole Sideline 365. Uh, just coming to you with some updates um, and commentary on the denial of Daryl Jackson's uh, hardship waiver from the NCAA. I'm just going to kind of group that into Tez Walker's announcement of his denial of hardship waiver because they're both from the ACC. They both have very similar circumstances uh, as to the denial of their waivers. If you're not familiar, Tez Walker is another potential impact player in the ACC, uh, transferring to UNC. He's regarded as a top 50 potential player uh, in in the NCAA, potentially in the NFL from scout perspectives. A thousand-yard receiver, close to a thousand-yard receiver coming from Kent State. He actually started uh, his career, um, I believe, at, uh, what was it, Eastern, uh, he started at Eastern Tennessee, um, and then he got hurt, so he actually moved back to his enrollment date, so he didn't actually enroll there, then went to NC Central, uh, NC Central, uh, COVID happened, so he didn't actually get to play there, so he didn't have a season, uh, then he ended up, uh, at Kent State for two seasons where he broke out, um, and then their, their coaching staff, their head coach actually left for Colorado, I believe, uh, and then his position coach actually left as well this past season. Uh, so he was kind of left with no existing coaches who brought him there. And then at the same time, his grandmother uh, was ill and he's originally from Charlotte. So he said, okay, well, uh, you know, this is what the portal's for, right? Uh, getting close to the home, getting to a program that's, you know, in my home, closer to my hometown, and I can be closer to my only family member, whom his grandmother, you know, helped raise him, as he said, um, and, and he'd like to be close to her, and, and so she can be closer to him and come to his games, potentially. So uh, he transferred to UNC and put in that waiver that he thought would be cleared because this is literally, he only played for one school. Uh, a little bit of different circumstances for Daryl Jackson, as you may know, went to Maryland, uh, transferred to then Miami, uh, and then, due to the circumstances with his mother, I believe, uh, he put in that waiver uh, to move to Tallahassee uh, because, as you know, Tallahassee and Miami are nowhere close to each other. He could get closer to home, uh, uh, be within, I believe, 30, 45 minutes of home, uh, be closer to his uh, alien, fam- uh, alien mother as well. So similar but a little bit different. Uh, but you would think if Tez Walker's uh, scenario did not get approved, then Daryl Jackson's definitely was not going to get approved. And that's what it ended up being. Tez Walker's uh, NCAA did not approve Tez Walker's, which seemed like a clear-cut case of approval. Uh, and then Daryl Jackson's did not get approved either. Um, makes the NCAA look absolutely asinine in their decision-making. Uh would seemingly denying two clear-cut cases of, of kids trying to get closer to their family members uh, who are ailing. Uh, in Tez's defense, he's literally only played for one school in his career, um, which is Kent State. Um, the other scenarios, he literally was injured, couldn't enroll. The other school uh, uh, in uh, NC Central, COVID year, couldn't play, literally couldn't play. Uh, so most schools he couldn't play at. And then the last ten, Kent State sent two years and then his coaching staff left, and he wanted to get closer to uh, an alien family member, uh, and, which is UNC. So you would think that's kind of dry with Daryl Jackson, a little bit, a little bit more circumstances, but still, you've seen hardship waivers in the past get approved, and we'll and let's look at those. What are those historical decisions that are those inconsistencies with the NCAA? Uh, let's look at Tate Martell pre-portal when hardship waivers were almost impossible to get if you're an undergraduate. Uh, he's at Ohio State, top recruit. 
loses out in the starting position, uh, doesn't get it. His first year, it doesn't look good. So second year, he decides, I want to go to Miami, and I want to compete there for a starting role. Okay. Uh, no extenuating circumstances other than, literally, he's not a starter. And NCAA grants it. There was literally that I can find why he should have been granted a hardship waiver. But he gets it. Immediate eligibility, he's available at Miami. Check. I, I think if we're looking at hardship waivers... In circumstances, I think both Tez Walker and Daryl Jackson have more checks in their box than uh, Tate Martell had at that time. But once again, we don't know the NCAA's criteria. Another example, Justin Fields. Now, his I could I could give a little bit more uh, checks in his box, but he's at he's at Georgia. Once again, a highly regretted recruit uh, loses out to uh, I believe it was uh, from uh, in this position. He's also playing baseball there. Uh, there's an incident on the baseball field. Um, it creates a kind of, uh, he, he feels uncomfortable uh, with some of the words said on there. Um, you know, there could have been some uh, racist language used. Uh, that's what the articles say. Um, and he feels uncomfortable and he puts in a waiver because he doesn't feel uncomfortable with the baseball cream, which I can totally understand. Uh, and he gets immediate eligibility. Yeah, I totally understand that circumstance. But once again, you feel uncomfortable playing in that program, in a baseball program, so it gets immediate eligibility with the football program. Okay, I get it. We're talking about two kids who are trying to travel to get closer to potentially sick, potentially maybe dying family members. They want to get closer to home. Get denied as well. And I'm not blaming the kid, Tate Martell, Justin Fields. I'm not blaming those kids for getting accepted. They put in their paperwork... And luckily, the NCAA approved it. It's just the inconsistencies. Another example of a denial, which is the inconsistency here, is Luke Ford. I believe it was in 2020, 2020, uh, 2021. Or sorry, it was 2018. He was a top prospect in uh, class of 2018. Uh, he was at Georgia, another Georgia kid. He was looking to transfer from Georgia, top tight end, go to Illinois, be closer to uh, his sick grandfather. He was denied because they said that his hometown was not within one was outside of 100 miles of the campus of Champaign. And also it wasn't his biological grandfather. Can you can you tell me how disgusted you would be if that's what came back on your denial for hardship? If they said, "Oh no, you're you're you know you're you're not within uh, an hour and a half of campus," so oh, and also it's it's not your uh, it's not your real you know biological grandfather. So um, we're we're going to uh, it's not it's not sorry your your grandpa it's not your nuclear family. You say you're denied. How sick would that make you? But then you see two other kids get it for. You know, one in Nate Tank Martell, not really sure why. And then someone who on the baseball team feels uncomfortable, but they get immediately football eligibility. Like, once again, I'm not blaming the kids. I'm blaming the NCAA in their inconsistent decision making. And now we're in an age of the portal where kids automatically get a year eligibility. And then and then they get the graduate year. And it's like there's so much ambiguity and we still don't know. What the checkboxes are now with what what constitutes 
what they have to investigate in order to get the hardship waiver. And what is the decision-making that goes into this? It, it seems so behind the curtain, the decision-making process, that why did Tez Walker not get approved for his? When his looks like a clear case of, yes, you should be approved. Same with Daryl Jackson. Okay, he moved twice, but is he clearly not showing hardship? Why did it not get approved? Why did it get denied? NCAA, if you don't want people pissed, give us the clear checkboxes. Show us why that fourth checkbox on the spreadsheet didn't get denied. Show us why it's taking you three to four months to go through this checklist and deny it two to three weeks before kickoff. Tell us, show us, show us these pages, 90 pages worth of investigation. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't take the damn FBI to figure out if these kids should be approved or not. It doesn't. It doesn't. You are not looking out for the welfare of these student-athletes. You're not. Because now, Daryl Jackson, Tez Walker, Tez Walker probably has more upside at this point in his career, potentially a top 50, top 100 player in the NFL, by scout's opinion. Are those players going to lose out on NIL opportunities now? Because they can't play, they can't be on the field, they can't make the most of their likeness? Are they going to lose out potentially on supporting themselves, supporting their families, supporting their draft eligibility? Is the NCAA caring about that in their decision making? No, they don't care about that. So the NCAA isn't looking at this for the student athlete, are they? Are they? Interesting, interesting. Now, looking forward, and let us know, let me, let me know in the comments how you feel about this decision-making. Do you, do you think, how, how do we fix this? How does the NCAA fix itself? Do you agree with the decisions, right or wrong? And how do you think, can this be fixed? Can the NCAA fix this at all? Or do you think it's too far gone? Now, how does this affect Florida State specifically in Daryl Jack, losing Daryl Jackson? I think, luckily, for Florida State, within bringing in Brandon Fisk, you got Daniel Lyons, you got Farmer, you got a lot of guys who are looking to play, and you have, you know, some tran uh, transfers you brought in. You have depth in the line. I don't think it's going to affect you, affect you wins and losses wise yet. Now, if the doomsday scenario happens where you lose two or three guys early, that's when it, you could start to get concerned. Or if it takes Brandon Fisk four or five weeks to get acclimated to this top level. Remember, he's a Western Michigan kid. Took Jared Verse a couple of weeks to get acclimated to this level. It's a higher level of competition, you know. Now, Jared Verse had to come from FCS. Not, not saying Western Michigan's FCS, but it's definitely not the top level of FBS. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking it's going to take, you know, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get used to the size, especially starting with LSU. So if you avoid injury from key guys, I think you should be okay. But I do think it's a blow because Daryl Jackson is a sizable, a sizable man in the middle of the field. Uh, but I do not believe, unless you get catastrophic injuries in the middle of your line, it shouldn't affect you win-loss-wise. Luckily, you do have talented depth that you should be able to rotate it out. And if Brandon Fisk does live up to his potential, you should be able to make up for it. But let me know in the comments, what do you think? Do you think this does affect their ACC aspirations? 
do you think you know this was going to be the piece to to really rotate off of Fabian Levin and really push that into your line to, to create pressure? I, I do think it's a it's a loss because I would have loved to see the potential of Derek Jackson and his men pack this season. And I, and it just stinks for him as a as a player. But the things out from camp are great that he's still working hard, he's still developing. I think it'll I still think he'll stick around, develop as a person, develop as a player, and it'll be, you know, he'll continue to grow and he'll come back even stronger next year. So but let us know in the chat what you think, what will happen. Can the NCAA fix this? Do you think there's any way, any chance Either of these players went on an appeal. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think Anthony Blake cares about appeals. But let us know in the chat what you think of all this. And once again, I don't blame any of the players who have won or lost appeals. I don't, I, I don't blame players at all. I blame the NCAA for their inconsistent, non-transparent decision-making. Let us know in the chat. Have a great one, and we'll talk about... Uh, we'll see you on the next show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.